Welcome to the Biz Dad Podcast, where we dive into the melding of fathership and entrepreneurship with your host, the original Biz Dad himself, Adam Labar. Adam is a Christian, a former Air Force officer, a dad to three amazing kids, a coach, a real estate investor, and a business owner. On this podcast, he'll explore the unique journeys of amazing dads who are striving for greatness in both business and family. So whether you're a dad who is an aspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business owner, or simply a man striving to be a better dad, get ready as the Biz Dad brings you conversations to inspire, challenge, and equip you to be a better dad and entrepreneur. And now, here's Adam. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Biz Dad Podcast. Uh, today, we are chatting with Brian Glass. He is uh, yet another, if you have been listening to this at all, yet another GoBundance guy. Um, happy to have as many GoBundance guys on as possible because they they tend to be solid dudes that are uh, um, enjoying being uh, being dads if they are dads, and that's why they're on this podcast. But uh, um, I'm looking forward to chatting with Brian, getting to know him a little bit more. He and I have met multiple times up in uh, the D.C. area. Um, he's a lawyer up there, but I'll let him kind of take over uh, all of that. So Brian, welcome. If you can, please uh, give us a little bit of an introduction about you and your family. Tell us uh, as much in depth as you'd like to go to there and then a little bit about your business as well. So like I'm a lawyer in the Northern Virginia area, I represent people who've been hurt in auto accidents against insurance companies. Uh, I'll be 40 in August, which is kind of weird to say. I've got three kids, all boys, a 10-year-old eight-year-old, five-year-old, been married uh, for almost 14 years to my wife, Krista, who came and joined me at the law firm about a year ago now. Um, my dad and I run our law firm together. It's called Ben Glass Law. I joined him four or five years ago after a decade of practicing on my own in the same geographic region, sort of, sort of in a competitive space, but not exactly. Uh, and then just earlier this year, joined his other company called Great Legal Marketing. We teach lawyers in solo and small law firms how to run better practices, run better businesses. Adam, the thing is that most lawyers are are pretty good at the lawyering thing, but mm-hmm. really, really bad at all of the business stuff. So the hiring, firing, personnel management, spending, and then, of course, marketing. So we teach lawyers in, in solo and small practices how to do that. Awesome. That uh, I didn't know that part about the great legal marketing thing. That's pretty cool. I'll have to dig into that a little bit. So, um, but you uh, you said you joined with your dad um, after competing a little bit. So let's let's chat about your dad a little bit and tell yeah. me kind of like what it was like growing up with your dad, who your dad is, and um, you know anything that uh, that sticks out to you in some of that uh, that younger period of your life. Yeah. yeah. So I was listening to one of your earlier episodes yesterday on, on my drive home and kind of thinking about what what am I going to say. Um, because it, you know, largely was normal. So he, he was, as I was growing up, um, was a medical malpractice plaintiff's side lawyer, um, which is in the same space that I'm in now, auto accidents. It's all contingency fee based, which means mm-hmm. there's no trading dollars for hours. And if you work any longer, you're not necessarily making any more money. And so, you know, most lawyers have the problem where they're not at home on nights and they're not at home on weekends. We never had any of that in, in our family. So I'm the oldest of nine. Uh, the first five are biological. The last four are adopted from China and, and spanning in ages from I'm 39 down to I think the youngest is 20 or 21. There's so many, it's hard to keep track now. So, so (laughs) wide, wide swath of kids. My, my dad coached everything. Like coached my little league teams. He played college soccer. So he coached all of our soccer teams. 
Um, and at one point he, he left the firm that he was at, started a solo law firm on his own, really to be out of the city, closer into the suburbs so that he could coach three soccer teams at the same time. Wow. So that's the, that's the framework that I approached. Uh, parenting from and I've ended up really without really thinking about it very hard doing almost the exact same thing so coach both my older kids soccer and baseball teams the younger one who's who's five he's started playing soccer I don't have the the temperament to coach five and six year old soccer so I don't know <laughs> I'm gonna wait a, uh, yeah, I'm gonna no wait a couple years be- before I do that um but you know my my dad who's always around and he and never missed any sports never missed any concerts uh, and so i just try to do the same thing and, and and again i don't think it was intentional that i've gotten in that space mm-hmm. but it's just the modeling that i had yeah that's awesome that uh you know it well first off appreciate you listening to the podcast so yay yeah. uh second yeah. it, it is one of the I, I don't know if there is such thing as a a normal upbringing right i mean mm. um uh, especially after having multiple of these conversations, it's kind of, you know, everybody comes from somewhere different and everybody has a different lens on, on where they see the world. So, um, I think it's awesome that you were able to kind of pick apart and see like, Oh man, like my dad was actually there. My dad showed up to these things. And, um, as you were growing up, did you, was it obvious to you? Like, Holy crap, I've got a very present dad compared to other dads, or was it just, this is, this is what it is. I don't, I don't know any different. No, I think it was, this is what it is. And I don't know any different. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I mean, and when I say normal, I, I mean, it just seems to me that everybody in my circle of friends in middle school and in high school had a two parent household, at Mm -hmm. least to the extent that I was paying attention to it. Right. Um, this is probably, that probably isn't true, but everybody who I was paying attention to seem to have a two-parent household so um to know i i didn't really notice that or appreciate it growing mm-hmm. up because i didn't really see the alternative very much yeah. right yeah that's i mean that's a uh uh honestly that's a, a clearly a rarity because you're actually one of the first people that have mentioned that that i've talked to about having that 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 level of clarity so i think that's awesome mm-hmm. to be able to come from that mm-hmm. and to to then you know you've been married for 14 years and uh to try to drive towards that same thing like to you know because they they say well you're either running towards something or running away from something um mm-hmm. right and and what is it that's motivating you and you seem to be running towards the same thing that you had which is which is awesome and you even started working yeah. with your dad so like it makes it even more like uh, uh, how that that that, that is think, what you're running towards in part what i'm running towards is it for the first you know really for the first six or seven years of my older son's life he was all about mama like mm-hmm. and all of all of my boys have been all about mama and so i've been running towards carving out the space where mom isn't so much so that we can have a little bit of one-on-one time yeah. uh and whether that's been sports or i was briefly involved in cub scouts although i'm like the least outdoorsy person that you've ever <laughs> met um so that's that's kind of the space that i've tried to find with them and and i think you know the challenge for my relationship with my wife is that okay if i take one of them and we go play soccer that means you're at home with the other two right mm-hmm. if i mm-hmm. take one of them and go play baseball you're at home with the other two or, or or if i'm coaching the team then you've got to shuttle the other two to the other one's practice so that's a challenging especially with three and you're kind of playing zone defense that's a balancing act but yeah i i think i'm running towards like i i've got to play some role in their lives when all they want to do when they're at our house is be with mom so we'll be mm-hmm. you know, sitting on a 
the couch watching family movie night and I'll be on one side of the U-shaped couch and all four of them will be on the other side, all three boys right on top of her. So I get a little bit jealous of that, but then she's like, I, I can't go anywhere in this house and have it be quiet. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I have, uh, does your, does your wife work? Uh, well, she, she started working with you mm-hmm. guys at the law firm a year ago, you said, right. But did she yeah. work from home from then or was she a stay at home mom before that? Or what was the setup before that? No. So she's, she's an HR professional. She was in, you know, effectively working at an IT startup. They had about 16 people. They grew to 80 and then they got acquired. Mm-hmm. And then really her life after acquisition went went really downhill at work because you know three different companies have been rolled up three different payroll systems three different mm-hmm. timekeeping systems three different vacation policies question 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 and um and she was working getting up at five to answer emails until seven when the kids woke up then she and i would get them ready get them off to school and then you know we came home we'd be with them from five to seven put them down and she was answering emails again from seven to nine i was like i i own part of a law firm and you work at a big it company like why are you working so much harder than i am and is there Mm -hmm. a way for you to exit that and come work with us so she had a retention bonus that vested um, we took some of that money. She took a little bit of time off and then came and work. And the idea was she was going to be working part-time for us, but she really loves being around people. Mm-hmm. And so what was supposed to be 25 or 30 hours a week has really evolved into almost 40 just because she likes being around the people in the office. Okay. Yeah. That's, uh, I mean, that's, that's awesome to be able to work with your wife on there. I mean, uh, how's that been going for that the last year? Has that been something that's been <laughs> raising contention or has it been like, no, freeing almost like has it been what what both she and i and and me and my dad are really good at is staying in our own lanes in the law firm mm-hmm. so we run on eos and i don't have any opinion on anything in the hr you know quadrant right mm-hmm. um and so i just let her make all of those decisions and and because of that there's really no conflict about well i think we should do this policy and she thinks we should do like i i don't really care and she doesn't really care about any of the operations of the auto accident section yeah. so it's it's been good and and really the best part for us has been that it now frees us up because we're physically in the same place mm-hmm. all day and so like if we want to go have lunch and we don't you know we don't have to hire a babysitter to come in at night we don't have to travel to each other for lunch together and for us like we had a really hard time when all the kids were young and and you can't have any serious conversations until after they're in bed 7 7 30 yeah. and then you're you're mentally exhausted because you've gone yeah. to work and you've raised kids all day and so it's freed us up to have good intentional deliberate conversations at a point where we, we both kind of had the mental stability and the framework to do it so yeah it's it has been a hundred percent a positive thing for our relationship that's phenomenal here. That's that's great. Yeah, I think the the clear lines make a, a huge difference when it comes to um, working with your spouse from from everything. I've, mm. I don't work with my spouse, um, but you know we uh, we've worked in the same offices before, doing similar jobs, but never working together. That was all military uh, government stuff. But mm. um, you know we've talked about okay, well when you re- when she retires in two years, what is our plan? Like, does she want to you know join in the business? Does she just want to be a stay at home mom? Does she want to? I don't know. Uh, but the biggest reason that I asked all that was trying to figure out, you know, what it is about your your wife that the kids are always wanting to be around. Because for me, I pick them up from school. I drop them off at school. I'm always the one there. I work from home. So right now on summer vacation, they're running around the house, out, you know, um, doing their thing. So um, 
it's always daddy, 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 daddy all the time because that's that's who they're around all you know. But my wife is gone, you know, nine, ten hours a day going to work and driving back and forth and doing all the stuff. So um uh I was just trying to kind of figure out is is it you know that she's home with them more or you know how all that kind of got started. Yeah, I think she's just more fun than I am. <laughs> yeah, that could be it. That could be it. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. I worked a lot with lawyers, so I'm not, you know, I was I was on the <laughs> investigation side, so having to deal with lawyers, I'm tired of that, to tell you what. So yeah, I would hang out with uh, your wife more too if I yeah. if I were them. Yeah, so. you and you and everybody else we know. That's fine. <laughs> I, listen, I know my role. <laughs> Other than your clients, your clients are probably pretty pleased to be hanging out with you, right? So um but that's funny. Uh, so when you when you joined the law firm with your dad, how did that kind of you know you you said you went from something semi competing to yeah. them kind of joining with him? What was that? What was that like? And how did the the joining happen? Yeah, so I so I practiced across town for the first ten years of my career. Um, you know, growing up in the in an auto accident practice, and then kind of growing my own book of business. And I did that, and we we never really had a discussion when I was getting out of law school about coming and working for him. Um, and, but I, but I did it deliberately so that I could make my own friends, make my own way of doing things, uh, and not be introduced as his son. Right. Mm -hmm. Because there's, there's, and I still in the back of my mind have this like born on third thinks he hit a triple sort of thing on my shoulder. Right. Um, and so I wanted to be on my own for a long time so that I could make all my own ways of doing things. And then when we had our, our third, uh, third son, my wife had a, a really hard delivery, like baby came like that. Uh, they had to rush her to the delivery room. She ended up in the ICU for about 24 hours. He was in the wow. NICU for 10 days. And you know, at the time my dad was 60 and I was 35 and we're like, well, if, if we don't do it now, like we might not ever joined together. So mm-hmm. really from that happening to me quitting my firm where I was a partner to coming and working for him was about six months. And, um, and so we came together, uh, we had a, a bunch of turnover. He had a partner at the time who, you know, for a number of business reasons, like we didn't work out when I, mm-hmm. when I got here. And so he left and then we've grown it in the last four, four or five years. So I joined in 2019. So four and a half years, we've grown it uh, about four X, at least the auto wow. accident side nice. has grown four X and the revenues, of the firm writ large have grown almost three X. So it's been a really good combination of like high level thinking, which is his, his gift. And mm-hmm. my gift is, okay, how many phone calls does it take to generate a client? What's the average case value? And if we want to go from here to here, you know, how many more phone calls do we need to generate? Now, how do we, how do we go and do that? So yeah, we've, we've just been really, um, complimentary skill sets and it's worked out really well. That's really cool. I'm, I am interested. Um, how, Increasing your book of business, doing those phone calls. What is it that you're chasing down? Just in my own curiosity, on like to who do you who do you make the phone calls to? Is it insurance companies? Oh. Is it people? Is it you know? Are you like monitoring you know the the police blotter to know where car oh, yeah, accidents yeah, were? Yeah. Like how how does that kind of work? Just no, wondering the back how, end of that. How do we how do we generate business? Yeah, yeah. So we can't do any of that stuff, right? So so as as a lawyer and as an especially as an injury lawyer, there are certain ethical rules about what we can do to generate mm-hmm. business. We're not allowed to do things like go to hospitals and sign people up right so mm-hmm. Matt damon and rainmaker is doing that you can't actually do that we 
we, at least in Virginia, you're not allowed to get a copy of all the police reports and send those people mailers for auto accident cases. Ironically, you can do it for DUIs. So if somebody gets, somebody okay. gets a DUI, you can send them direct mail. So what happens is, you know, if you've been arrested and you're trying to hide it, right, and then you get 17 letters from criminal defense lawyers, then you have to explain that to whoever else you're living with. Um, but so, no, no, we go really to circles of influence. So I want mm-hmm. to, in the auto accident practice, I want to find small mom and pop style physical therapies. I want to find uh, small solo owned chiropractor offices. And I want to explain to them ways in which I can make their business run better. So mm-hmm. what happens in most injury law firms is once the case comes in, it doesn't get worked up very quickly and it sits around for a long time. And so one of the things that we did is I said, how can I make every step in this process go a little bit faster? And so my pitch to chiropractors and physical therapists isn't, I'm going to send you more cases. It's every case that you send me, I'm going to turn into money for you Mm -hmm. faster than anybody else is. And so most firms you know, might take 18 to 18 months to two years to turn a case all the way around. On a smaller case, I can we can turn it all the way around in six to twelve months, which for a, a small business who's sending us that money is, you know, it's like a godsend. Like I can yeah. double the money that's coming back to you. And the other complaint that everybody has about lawyers in that space is when the lawyer does settle the case, he calls me and tells me why I need to accept. 30, 40, 50% of what my actual bill is. So mm-hmm. we try very hard not to have to do that because we'll actually take cases to trial. So insurance companies take us seriously, fully value the cases. Mm-hmm. And then I don't have to come back to the doctor and make them negotiate the bill. So, yeah. so, so our marketing really is based not on how do I go and have the best website and how do I go and have the best pay-per-click campaign mm-hmm. so that I can attract one client. It's how do I find the one person who might bring me 10 clients? Yeah. So creating multiple, having, having multiple funnels as opposed to just going after a web of people. So, okay. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I had no idea that you weren't allowed to um, like get police blotters and all that type of stuff. You know, I, I just figured that would be something to be like, oh, well, there was more accidents, you know? Um, I did know that you couldn't go to the hospital though. I didn't know that part, but yeah. interesting. All right. Yeah. Um, so uh, did you want to become a lawyer because your dad was a lawyer or was it like uh, how did, you know, yeah. tell me about that. I, because <laughs> like I joined I the military because my parents were in the military. I, I didn't like. I was just like, yeah, yeah, that's what we do, you know. I've thought about this lately because I I never wanted to be anything else, mm-hmm. and I, part of me wonders if like if I ever even had any exposure to what other jobs yeah. do. Like I don't know what does an architect do all day? Do they draw stuff? What does an engineer do? I have no idea what these people do all day. Which is funny is is we're doing like voir dire at a trial and you're talking to a jury. Mm-hmm. You know, I said, "What do you do?" And they say, oh, "I'm a computer scientist." And I'm like, "You gotta, you're gonna have to tell me what that means. Like, <laughs> what is what is your day to day thing?" So no, I mean, I I never. Adam, I never wanted to do anything else. I like being kind of on stage and being in front of juries. And and to a certain extent, I like making arguments and seeing mm-hmm. if you can win. And you, and you get immediate feedback, right? You, I argue for 15 minutes. You argue for 15 minutes. One of us wins. Yeah. So uh, so there's that. But And I never, never, ever considered doing anything else. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I... I I never considered anything else on the military side because I, again, I didn't have that insight either. Like I just kind of, I was like, yeah, I love working on, working on cars. My dad worked on planes. I'm going to love working on planes, you know? And I, I just, yeah. this is just what I do is what I've seen this yeah. is what I know, you know? But, uh, um, so now that you, you said recently you started thinking about it, do you think that 
are you still very pleased with the route that you went? Um, or are there ever any, you know, I wonder what would have happened if I did X, Y, or Z. I'm really pleased with where it's gotten me because it allows me even in, even working for somebody else in a law firm, like it allows you the opportunity, entrepreneurial opportunities, right? Mm -hmm. So if I can go, I've never liked working in a job where I was making the same amount of money as the person next to me. So I waited tables through college and, and if I could turn more tables than you, Mm -hmm. In the same evening, I was going to make more money than you were, right? I never liked those jobs like in retail where you and I were making the same amount of money and I was working harder. And so being being a practitioner in a small law firm lets you do that. Yeah. Let's me go out and find more clients. And and in my business, because it's all contingency fee based and I get paid only if we win cases, like, okay, there's a couple levers to pull. I can get more clients. I can work cases faster or, or I can make cases worth more money or mm -hmm. I can do all three and you increase your effectively effective hourly rate exponentially if you can do all three. Yeah. So that's, that's what I really uh, like about doing that. Would I do anything else if I were going back now? You know, I, I love the business side. So I, mm -hmm. I love looking for the levers to pull um, and trying to stay ahead of technologies and things like that and, and figure out like AI is coming for legal, right? Yeah. Um, there's a Goldman Sachs report that says something like 56% of jobs in the legal space will be replaced by AI. And, and so the, you, you can do two things. Like you can try to learn another skill set, or you can figure out how to use AI better than anybody else yeah. in the legal space, because most lawyers are not going to work on that. Right. Um, so, so figuring all that stuff out and figuring out how to leverage, you know, time, talent, opportunities, and money um, is something that we're we able to do in in a small law firm space. So, I yeah, I don't know what else I would go and do now. Okay, awesome. I mean, and it sounds like you've been growing the business quite a bit the last couple of years, which is uh, phenomenal. Like what what that trajectory sounds like it's going. But um, so, all right, let's switch gears a little bit over to your kids. Um, yeah. Do you? Uh, how much exposure to what you're doing do your kids have um, and how much exposure do you want them to have? Right. Like what does that look like? Yeah. yeah my, my kids, so they know I'm a lawyer. Mm -hmm. um, they think that I go to people's offices and take money from them. Oh, very good. In, yes. It's, it's interesting. It's like, it's not like that we think dad helps people. It's like he goes to, goes to insurance companies <laughs> and takes money from them. Um, beyond that, you know, it's kind of hard, I think to explain to, five, eight and 10 year olds, what, mm. what you do. Um, we haven't, you know, like next career day, we'll probably take the the older one to the courthouse just so he can see here's what, here's what goes on all day. Uh, and they come by the office, especially because mom and dad are working together. Mm -hmm. They like to come in and you know, do things like Xerox their hands, radar, <laughs> radar supply <laughs> closets. Uh, you've never seen kids that are more excited to have branded notepads than my kids uh -huh. are. And then we've got a fantastic snack drawer. So they, and we have a little like a uh, wellness room with a massage mm -hmm. chair and a walking well, treadmill. So, what the so they like playing with all that Jeez. stuff. Um, but exposure to what we actually do. Yeah. Not, not a whole lot. Okay. Do you have plans besides the going into the courthouse for the 10 year old type of thing? Like, do you have any plans on exposing them to whether it's the business side or the mm -hmm. legal side? Not right now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if if he's interested and he wants to join, great. Um, but no, we don't have any deliberate plans to to bring him on board. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, you know, I I I'm trying not to have deliberate plans necessarily. I my whole goal for my kids is to 
let them know that they have lots of options. Like they don't mm-hmm. have to do exactly what dad does. They don't have to do exactly what dad did. Um, I'd almost prefer they don't do what dad used to do. You know, like I don't, yeah. you know, but if that's what they want to do is go join the military, then go join the military. But I want options to be out there. I want the, you know, conversations to be had. Um, you know, my son approached me a few months ago, like, Hey, you know, so dad, are you an employee or an employer? So then we got to chat about what an employee is, what an employer is and all the stuff. So, you know, getting them exposed to various different things. But I think that the benefit of where you're at is you're not only, uh, not only are you a lawyer and you get to show them what the law firm looks like, but you're also a business owner and you get to show them what it's like to run the business side of it. So, um, gets to expose the kids on a, on multiple different levels. So, yeah. Yeah. So tell me about uh, sports. I love talking to talking to dads about the sports. Sounds like you're coaching multiple teams and doing all the stuff. So what uh, what does that look like for you? And what what was your sports background? And then how does that you know kind of correlate into uh, the kids' sports? Yeah, so I played low level soccer all the way through high school. Low, low level travel wasn't good enough to make the the high school sports teams. Hmm. Um, and then after college, I got into running. So I ran marathons for a little bit and then I wasn't getting any faster. So I just started running longer. I've run a hundred miles. I've run 70 miles, run a, a number of 24 hour races. I probably finished, uh, maybe two dozen ultra marathons. Wow. Um, largely before, before all of the kids, right? Yeah. Um, my last one was five years ago. It was a 70 mile race in, in Pennsylvania. My wife uh, was eight months pregnant. I dragged her, <laughs> dragged her a state and a half away. Uh, she stayed with friends of hers. Um, but then I ran all day. Right. And so I remember being at, um, is the middle of June and it was hot. And I remember sitting at a, at an aid station, like either mile 45 or mile 54. Like I, I want to quit and I want somebody to come pick me up, mm-hmm. but if, but like the shame of, I dragged everybody a state and a half uh-huh. away and now you got to come and I'm not even going to finish. So I got up and I finished that. So, so that's my, you know, my background is like mediocre to, to B minus athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's the framework that I approach, like raising my kids in, in sports are. So my, inner playing uh, soccer and baseball, I've coached both. Um, I'm a better soccer coach than I am a baseball coach. My, my 10 year old just last night, he had his first practice kind of trial with like a travel team and it would be the first sport that he's ever played that dad hasn't coached. And I think he's at an age where he needs that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, he's probably upper third of the club league skill wise right now, upper third to upper quarter. And I don't have the skill set to get him continue to make him better at that. And he needs to hear it from somebody else. Like he's, he's, approaching that age where it's going to be better coming from somebody else. So he's, he's doing that. Um, my, uh, my eight year old is going to play baseball again in the fall. I'm, I go and I'll assistant coach that. Uh, I, I was, I was coaching baseball a couple of years ago and it was the first year of kid pitch. And I had this kid, I had run out of arms, right? Cause there's pitch counts in, in kid pitch at that age. And so I'm auditioning kids to pitch in, you know, Thursday night's game or whatever. And I have this dad that comes up to me and he's like, thank you so much for letting Charlie pitch. Um, you know, I was a division three pitcher in college. I'm like, why, why are you letting me, why are you letting me teach him how to throw a baseball? Uh, so, so my biggest frustration with coaching is exactly that experience. It's like, mm-hmm. man, I'm, I'm really at, at the precipice of running two business is running two businesses, raising three kids, coaching multiple sports teams, 
And it frustrates the heck out of me that there are dads sitting on the sideline, not doing anything. Yeah. And I, and I've been that dad, like we play basketball and I sit on the sideline and I, or I don't do anything. I don't know anything about basketball. And so I try to give a little bit of grace thinking like maybe the dads that are sitting there, maybe they're coaching three other things and cub scouts mm-hmm. also, but that really frustrates me that, that, that you have that level of expertise and you're not offering it to the kids. So I, you know, I just think as long as they want dad as a coach and as long as they'll listen to me mm-hmm. and as long as I can get, you know, 50% of the team to listen to me, I'm happy to volunteer my time and go do that. That's awesome. Yeah. I think that, I don't know. I, I, my son doesn't play like organized sports at the moment. He's a golfer and he loves golf and he wants dad to coach him all the time. I'm just only a moderately okay golfer. So it's like, I can't right. like he's already, you know, like skill level wise, if you uh, adjust um, distances for his age, he's already mm-hmm. just about as good as golfer as I am, you know? So it's like, I don't know how well I'm going to be able to teach you, but let's go out and learn. Let's go do these things. You know, I'm at every practice I'm at, you know, as evolved as I can be. Um, but thankfully he's got coaches that are, you know, they've, they've, they've got their card, their PGA card and that type of thing. So they're, they're like, you know, good coaches and doing their thing. But, um, I, uh, I, I wonder what it is that goes through the brains. Like even because I always want to be there. I always want to be involved. So, you know, it makes me wonder, is it like an inferiority thing or is it a, you know, did you talk to that dad at all about like why he's not trying to do any coaching or anything? Or is there any, I should have, but I didn't, you yeah. know, where, like where, where was that conversation going? Uh, but you're, yeah. you're right. It's, it's either, I don't know, like everybody needs a break. And so maybe, maybe that two hours twice a week is his break mm-hmm. from whatever else is going on at home. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's uh yeah, that's a possibility for me. It's a, you know, I, I would like to encourage as many dads as possible. Hence I'm doing a podcast about dads is to be mm-hmm. as, as involved as, as they can be with their kids' life. I mean, I, I've seen a lot of, um, and I've, I've beat this dead horse a lot, but, uh, the military has a ridiculous divorce rate. Um, so a lot of dads, uh, whether they want to say it's by choice or not, if they're in a divorce, then it's by choice in one way, shape or form. Um, uh, uh, not involved in their kid's life, you know, and I, I, it breaks my heart because I've seen a lot of the kids just kind of, you get pushed aside and you don't, you don't really know what's going on in their brain. So if we can get as many dads as possible involved in the sports, involved at home, you know, doing whatever it is, you know, teaching them about their business, about their work, you know, just being an involved dad, I think that makes a huge difference in, in lives. So um, hopefully somebody hears this and encourages other people to go be coaches and go be, go be involved. But, um, yeah, and again, and, and you don't, you know, to your point about inferiority complex, you you really don't have to be that far ahead of any of these kids. Mm-hmm. Like you can watch, you can watch YouTube and learn how to put together a sixty minute practice. Right? It's not that I've asked ChatGPT to come up with practice plans for me. <laughs> nice. Right? Yeah. Uh, this stuff is it's all out there. And at the end of the day, you know, if, if it all goes to hell, you throw up your hands and you tell the kids to scrimmage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> and they're more, you know, they're more happy to do that than they are to do any drill that, that you want to do, especially yeah. at a young age. So it, it does take, it just, it, and the thing is, it, the thing the parents should know is like, if you sign up to be an assistant coach, we don't have enough coaches. So the league is going to call you and ask you, will, will you come be the head mm-hmm. coach? So, yeah. Um, have you seen, uh, catch me if you can? The movie? 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> Frank Abagnale is who that's about. And he, like, they'd asked him afterwards, um, like, hey, like, how, how is it that you went and taught to these, you know, doctoral classes and everything? He's like, I just had to be, I just had to know what was going mm-hmm. on next week. That's all I had to know. Like, I just had to be one chapter ahead of them. That is all I had to do, you know? And it was like, well, that's a valid point. So, you know, I'm, I'm looking at homeschooling my kids right now. And uh, by the time this goes out, I'll, they'll likely be being homeschooled, right? Um, and I'm like, man, I have no idea what the heck I'm doing. I've never been a teacher before. I barely can help them do their homework, you know, like I don't, you know, so God bless me if I'm going to be able to do this. But, you know, they, I, I order a list. They, they send me, they send me all of the, uh, um, uh, curricula and I, I'm okay. Well, I just have to know what, what's going on next week. Like that's all I need to do. Just be one step ahead of the game. I never thought about the chat GPT side though. That's uh that would be a valid way to go. That's, um, chat GPT uh, does all sorts of things. It does also, and and all you need to do is, you know, so the the hack that I learned uh, a couple of weeks ago is you just need to ask it what it needs to know in order to tell you how to mm-hmm. do something, and it'll come up with the list of things. You spit back the answers, and then it comes up with a very detailed, you know, ho- I don't know, a homeschooling week for you. Yeah. So you can run the whole thing off of that. Yeah, that would be awesome. I mean, your wife might not want to hear this being an HR professional, but we were we. My partner and I had kind of built out, we're trying to get some solid uh, job descriptions and all that type of stuff. Mm. So like he gave it, gave chat GPT a prompt, built all this stuff out, finally got it to the point where it was spitting out the job descriptions that we wanted it to do. And then he said, all right, now tell me what I need to, what I, I'm going to give this message to Adam. Tell me what I, Adam needs to tell you to be able to do the same exact thing. And it just creates this whole prompt said, Hey, give me this prompt and we'll know what to do. And then, so now we just, spit all this stuff out of the builds out these HR, um, uh, all this HR docs. I mean, obviously the, you know, there's a lot more to HR than just building out those types of things, but I'm like, boy, how easy is that? That is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I don't, I mean, I don't know where AI is going to bring us, but all I know is that, uh, uh, that, that intelligence is definitely going to surpass my intelligence. So I'm, I'm oh. down with using it. Challenge for you going into homeschooling. The kids is going to be the role of, of AI and chat GPT and, mm-hmm. and whatever the, you know, the 2.0 for that is to, to the education system. I was talking to a friend of mine who's a school teacher who says, you know, they've built all these workarounds in school to keep you from drafting your, your, I don't know, your term paper yeah. using chat GPT. And I'm like, why, why are you doing that? Like, that's, that's a skill set that this next generation is going to need. And so I appreciate it. Well, you would want to know that they, you know, that they can do it on their own. I, I get that kind of sort of, but you know, like when I started law school, they had us, they taught us how to look things up in books. Like, why are we doing that when we have Westlaw and Lexis that it's all uh-huh. online? Like, when am I ever in my profession going to have this the skill requirement that I know how to find something in a, in a law book and I've never worked in a place that actually had up-to-date physical books mm. in the office? So, it's, it's kind of the same thing. So, you know, the role of, of how do you learn not only the the subject matter, but then how to use all of the tools to to build a, a really cool product going forward. So that's a fun challenge for you. And of course, you only have to stay 10% ahead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I want to, I, I haven't, I should introduce my my oldest. He loves doing that type of stuff. Just introduce him to ChatGPT and say, hey, go mm-hmm. figure some stuff out. Tell me what it can do, you know, because I'm sure he'd figure out how to do all sorts of stuff in there before I even get to it. But um, do your kids use ChatGPT at all? Do they know anything about all that? The- no, they haven't used that, but but they became so my kids were in kindergarten and second grade the first year of COVID. And so they became 
you know, we computer whizzes because they were, hey, what's we up, got? buddy? You wanted me to come check out what the playroom? I can't right now. Yeah. You want know, to say hi to Mr. Brian? So this is Adam. Hey, bud, how He's are my you? Oldest. Good. All right. You going to go back to the playroom so I can finish this conversation? I want you to come check it out. Well, I can't check it out right now. You see that? It says it's recording right now. We're recording this conversation. Here you are trying to get in on another podcast. Oh, poo. <laughs> get out of here. I'll be over there in a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love you, buddy. Have a terrible time. <laughs> yes, I held it so you wouldn't steal. Well, yesterday, it stole my ear pod. And walked around uh, with it. Yeah. I was like, "What the dickens, punk kid?" That's a way to. Uh, that's a way to cut the podcast short. <laughs> no, so, so my kids, my kids, um, you know, they they were starting second grade and starting kindergarten the first fall that was kind of canceled by COVID, mm-hmm. and they became my, my second grader became a PowerPoint wizard somehow. So he would just go to Google, do a Google image search, and he couldn't couldn't type and couldn't spell. But he would voice to type, you know, whatever his search was. Mm-hmm. And you know, I came in one day and he's put together this whole PowerPoint of international soccer stars for me with like fade in, fade out, stars, spinning, all, all this stuff. So <laughs> yeah, they're they're gonna be far ahead of where we are in just a couple of years. Yeah, for sure. I look forward to uh I look forward to that, honestly. It's just so much fun to watch them kinda it's like grow and change. And that's one of the reasons I actually want to do the homeschool too, is like whatever their their passions are and whatever they're kind of what's driving them and like, just let them explore if like computer science to your example earlier about, you know, during your water year, like I, I don't know anything about computer science. I don't know anything about it, but if you want to learn how to code, then well, Merry Christmas, here's a computer and here's mm-hmm. how to code and like, go figure it out. And they'll, they'll know way more than me in a matter of, you know, 10 minutes. So, um, it's so much fun to watch and watch them grow and do their things. And, um, yeah, I can't imagine, you know, to, to your point, I remember learning the Dewey decimal system, and now, like, I'm sure my son's going to look at me and go, what the heck? Who is Dewey? And why does he have a system for decimals? Like, I don't, you know, but uh, no, no need for the Dewey decimal system really anymore. You know, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, see, you know, but or I'm telling everybody how old we are, I guess. Um, but <laughs> uh, so with the uh, with the sports, like it, it, what kind of what kind of drive do you want? And are you doing with the kids? Like what kind of um, commitments do they have in sports? Like what are you? Um, how is it that you're uh, pushing or not pushing sports with the kids? Uh, so I'm really not. Um, you know, my my kids genetically are unlikely to be uh, collegiate athletes, right? <laughs> um, so. I want them to work hard and work with people, teammates that they like and achieve goals. And so I, you know, I kind of think like every kid should be on a team that wins a championship, um, a team that loses in the championship and a team that loses every single game that year. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause it's really just, it's character building and it's overcoming obstacles. I don't push my kids that hard, except you've got to, you got to show up. Like if you, I, I so most recent All Star tournament, I benched my son for uh, making a face at me after he gave up a goal, and I said something to him. Right? <laughs> okay, comes to that. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care that you gave. I don't care that you gave the ball away and they scored. I care about your reaction to that. And so, yeah. if you're if you're walking on the field, you're coming off. Right. Um, 
but we don't do we don't do like the over the top clinics and the private instruction and we just we don't get oh, we really don't get wrapped up in our kids sports identity all that much um you know right right or wrong it's just not something that we've done yeah is it uh was that an intentional thought process or just kind of how you guys I think it, it i think it's just kind of who it's kind of who we are so we have friends who who are playing travel baseball and they were a couple of years ahead of my oldest and they said things to us like, if he's not in travel ball by the time he's eight, like he won't play in the high school team. And whether that's true or not, it's just like, it's not an arena that I want to put my kid into where you, here's the track that you need to be on at age mm-hmm. eight or else you won't achieve this goal eight years in the future. Um, it's, I just think that's too much pressure. Uh, now, if, if he were the best athlete on the field, I might feel a little bit differently about that. But... I don't feel like me pushing him or not pushing him is keeping him from any athletic super potential that he would otherwise, you know, reach if, if we weren't pushing him. Mm-hmm. So, no, I, I, again, I I just want him to to work hard, um, make friends, win sometimes, probably lose more often than than you win, um, and and ultimately like compete for a spot on a team, right? Because uh, I think that's important too. But but for now. I just want them to have fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the kind of the route I've, I've been trying to go with the kids is, is for me, um, I teach them about commitment. Like you made a commitment. You're going to finish the season. Yeah. You're going to finish these things, but you know, um, showing up is by far the most important part to me. Like show up, do, do what you do your best. Um, I, I do what I can to adjust the, you know, to your point, the, like the, the, the reason you benched your son with the facial expressions, all like, it's, it's like a, how do I, how do I teach them to lose well so that they can learn well, right? Because if you if you lose poorly, you're not going to learn as well as if you you lose well. So, um, and I don't I don't think I've perfected that by any means yet. I'm still trying to kind of work through that as far as like I want my son to be around people that are way better golfers than him, um, but that also means that it hurts, right? <laughs> Within the range, right? Because it's no fun. Like, so this is an expression. Nobody wants to be the smartest person in the room, but it's also no fun being the dumbest person in yeah. the room. So <laughs> you want to be somewhere in that range. I mean, to your point about, about sports parents, I'll tell you this, the most recent tournament that we were in over Father's Day, we were losing at halftime, eight nothing, 10 year old mm-hmm. soccer, losing, losing eight nothing at halftime. And I convinced the kids during my halftime team talk that the second half was an entirely new game. And so second half, we're, win- we're winning the second half three to two. And one of my kids says, yeah, we're up, we're up three to two. And the other coach looks him in the eye and goes, no, you're not. I said, man, what, what are you doing? <laughs> like, what? This is, it's club all-star soccer and they're 10. What are we doing yeah. here? Yeah. I mean, it, it, I've seen a lot of kids just get beat down with that type of, type of stuff, right? And then you, they end up just like hating their parents, hating what they're doing. Hating, and it's like, yeah. man, like they're kids. Let them be kids, you know? That's, um, when I first started coaching youth baseball, one of the things the league director said is like, you at, at this age, at six, seven, eight, you are not going to make anybody into the next Alex Rodriguez, mm-hmm. but you might make him quit baseball. Yeah. And so the only goal is for us to have fun and learn a little bit every time that we're out there. I really like that. That yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, that that hits that hits pretty well. I like that a lot. Uh, yeah. The the Alex Rodriguez, but you know, quit baseball. That's yeah. Um, 
So with your with your wife, what kind of uh, involvement does she have in the sports, if any? Like, did she play sports before? Or did she, you know, just this is all all? Yeah, tell me about that. Her her sports involvement is limited to like beer league kickball. Ooh, nice, uh, good, good, <laughs> good. I hope she listens to this. And knows that. Yeah, I'll send it to her. <laughs> that won't be a surprise to her. Um, no, she's she's. Well, so that's not fair. So she was a, a high level high school bowler. Okay. Um, all that skill has, has run right out her fingers, I guess, by now, because she and I are basically even, and I'm not very good at bowling. Uh, mm-hmm. but she was like a high 200s bowler in, wow. in high school, middle school and high school. Um, and so her involvement. Uh, is is really like taking the kids to practice, taking them to games, being supportive, but she's not involved in in coaching or anything like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, is, is she she's completely on board with you doing the coaching and all that type of stuff, or is that more? Yeah, so yeah. she's she's on board with that. Although, so I had the opportunity to to continue to coach my ten year old and, and bring his team up to be become a travel team. And it would have been a more serious time commitment for me. And she said to me, like, I, I think you've spent a whole lot of time coaching his teams. And I think it's time to, to kind of downshift and do somebody else's team. So I, I hear that. Um, so, but otherwise she's on board with me, uh, with me coaching every day. At one point I was coaching two baseball teams. So we were doing, um, Monday, Wednesday practice for the older one, Tuesday, Thursday practice for the the middle one and then the league was kind enough to deconflict all my saturday games but that <laughs> meant that we were we were spending all day saturday yeah on the field and that that was a lot uh and it ends up being a lot for her because then she's back you know managing dinner and two kids bedtimes and yeah. policing whatever's going on with them but i'll tell you we have found that it, that two things are, are true in our relationship it's it's almost always easier for me to parent if I'm the only one home. And I think she would tell you the same thing because there's no like running to mom or running to dad Mm -hmm. to say, you know, well, dad said this and whether that's true or not, like, sorry, um, asking permission from one parent and the parent says maybe, and they go and ask the other one and they, and you don't know, like it's a prisoner's dilemma. What did the other one say? Um, but the other thing that's true is that with all three of our kids, when they're home, it's, there's a certain level of stress with all three of them, but if you remove any one of them, then they're all then the two who are left are friends. Like there's always competition among them for, you know, whether it's the little one or the middle one, whether he's you know oh, he's my best friend, or whatever. But if you remove any one of them, they the two that are left get along perfectly fine. And so having having one one parent and one kid out at sports all the time makes the stress level in our house go down a little bit. That's interesting. That's uh, I I am curious to see how that goes because my two boys are like two peas in a pod. Obviously, they fight like mm-hmm. brothers once in a while, but man, they're two peas in mm-hmm. a pod. Like, and now they've got a little sister. They are just enthralled with their little sister. They love having yeah. a little sister, and I look forward yeah. to seeing kind of how that uh, dynamic changes as they as they grow up a yeah. little bit. You know, as they compete for her affection, right? As uh-huh. as, as she gets a little yeah. bit older. So it sounds like you and your wife have have some pretty solid conversations. You're trying to have good communication at work. You you know have an uh, I'll put it in my language, almost like date lunches together and doing that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, tell me about like your uh, conversations that you guys have had about raising kids and how do you guys um, work through um, disagreements with with your kids and like or, or how you want to raise them or that type of stuff. 
I wish I wish that I had a good system or secret sauce to to share with you. Um, we, you know, the, I think the reality is like we went through a couple of hard years of raising very young kids and not communicating very well, and we've mm-hmm. gotten much better in the last two years about pausing letting the moment and the anger subside and then like an hour or or the next morning an hour later or the next morning saying hey hey this is what i think happened like from my perception and here's what i didn't like about it and here's what i'd like for you to do differently next time so we've she's i have a coach she has a therapist uh my coach is basically a therapist Mm -hmm. um but we've we've individually gotten a whole lot better at processing what's going on with us and then communicating that to the other person um but we don't have a great uh, any great system that i can share with your listeners or any framework no, for no, like that's, that's sunday right. night conversations so we we tried for a while to do you know sunday night after the kids go to bed have a conversation but we were just so mentally exhausted mm-hmm. that that if either one of us were kind of having a a down day it it, it either didn't happen or it didn't happen very well um and now that all the kids are school aged and we are finding more time to after they all get out the door to school or like i said at, at lunch at the office to have those deliberate conversations and and to not to not have to be the one that wins all the time right mm-hmm. like fine whatever just go go do that and and to not care when the other one says fine whatever <laughs> like, yeah what what's important to you doesn't have to be important to me and vice versa yeah, I think that that not not caring who wins part is one of the more important aspects of that because like if if a conversation between husband and wife turns into who who won that conversation then it's mm-hmm. now you're just being divisive you're not being cohesive right and I think that having a cohesive couple is by far more important. Yeah. Yeah, and and I tell her that every time I come back from some kind of GoBundance event, like mm-hmm. you know what what you would expect on the outside looking in is that you're going to get into the room and there's going to be all kinds of real estate tips and business tips and mm-hmm. and and biohack and whatever else, and there is some of that. But I mean, we were in Tahoe; we must have spent fifty percent of the time talking about relationship with your wife yeah. and relationship with your kids. So. So there's, and I don't know how many rooms there are that are like that with high achieving entrepreneurial men. It's, I just don't think that exists in a lot of places. So, you know, and I've been a member for a year and a half to two years and, and that's one of my big takeaways. And it, it aligns, frankly, with the time that we've, we've had a little bit less stress in our lives, you know, between the two of us, because I've, I've seen the example of other men Mm -hmm. having those conversations with their wives. And now I'm equipped a little bit better to be like, yeah, that that thing is not all that important to me, and let me let me try to help you, Krista, succeed in in what it is that you're trying to accomplish with the kids and, and get out of the way, right? Yeah, and I think that's one of the key things to take away with that is like being open to hearing it and being open to talking about it with other men who are uh, maybe they're not struggling, maybe they're crushing it, and you just want to learn and be vulnerable enough to say, you know what. I don't have the best communication with my wife. I'm not the best communicator. I am the like hard-headed type A entrepreneur that just wants to crash through a wall, but my my wife does not receive that well as most most people don't, you know. So right. if you're open and willing to have those conversations, I think that it makes a it it, it allows you the space to improve. Uh, but it all has to come back to are you willing to actually put in the effort and improve? Um, you know, cuz yeah. some people just aren't 
willing to do that. Um, especially I think uh, men, I mean, I look at the military side of the house a lot because that's a majority of my adulthood was military and like everything you feel like you have to shut her in, keep quiet. Then, you know, uh, I don't have to talk to anybody about this. This is something I could deal with on my own. And that's not, that's not the case, nor is it healthy. Like, I mean, you gotta be able to talk to people and be vulnerable. Um, so it's, to me, it's always, those are always the best parts about the go bonus trips as well. It's like actually just communicating with other guys who are, or like-minded high achievers that are willing to open up to each other and chat. And, um, you know, I, I think that's one of the beauties of, uh, of the tribe. Been at a number of other professional organizations and networking events and, and almost everywhere else you go, it's, it's all flexing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but not, not within the tribe. And if anything, it's like people, yes, yes, their wins get shared, but they're more interested in telling you things that went wrong mm-hmm. so that they can get feedback, but also so they can keep you from maybe falling into some of the same traps. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's, that's another thing with the military side of the house. It's a lot of chest beating, you know, and, and all of that. So it, it, uh, it's taken work for me to, I think I'm coming up on four years now in go abundance. And I, um, hmm. I'm always wanting to go to as many of the events as I can, you know, cause again, you are the average of the five people you hang around with most. So if I can increase that, those five people and, uh, it's only going to make me better. So if I can go to more of those events and talk to more people like you and, um, try to grow as much as possible to me, that's, I don't, I don't know why people don't, um, uh, so, you know, when it comes to, uh, when it comes to those types of things, do you, do you, uh, so I sit down and, and talk to Adam from time to time when I come back from these trips, do you, have you had those types of conversations with your kids about what you do on these trips or has that been something that you've worked in yet? No, it, it hasn't been, you know, so well, why not? What the yeah, dick? That's a good question. <laughs> um, I, I think, yeah, that's that's good. So the skill set that I would like to pick up from the next one is getting my ten year old to answer any question with I, with an answer that's not I don't know. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, what would yeah. you do at school today? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> or nothing. What are you working on? I don't know. Nothing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's and he's he's the only one that's probably at the at the stage where he can. Um, he could engage in that kind of conversation. Although I'll tell you, like I, I was listening to your podcast in the car with him the other day and they pick, they pick this stuff up. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if in a couple of days he asked me a question about that, but there, he's very hard to engage in conversation because you just get so much like, I don't know, an- anxiety about answering the question or, yeah. or doesn't know how to answer the question. So no, we haven't had any discussions about that other than, you know, sharing the, the photographs of the adventure, right? Snowmobiling, yeah. skiing, that kind of stuff. Nice. Yeah. I, I, uh, I think you should totally listen to all of the podcasts at least 10 times with your kids. Make sure that, you know, you, you, <laughs> on, you different have them down, yeah. on different devices, <laughs> a different time, you know, yes. I totally think you should do that. Share it with them and tell them to share it with all his friends. Um, <laughs> But not, I think that, that, uh, uh, so there are, have you been to, I don't think you have, cause uh, if you've been in for a year and a half and I've been to the fan bonnets event, so I don't, I haven't seen you. Oh. Have you been in? So that to me was, was great too, cause it exposes the kids to that type of a, those adventures, um, and B like other entrepreneurial families, other uh, kids who are driving towards different things and like having conversations with kids that are, that have parents of a like mind. Um, so I would highly recommend kind of bringing your kids to a fan abundance event if you can. I don't know if you're going to Vermont, but um, Vermont, what is what is the age group of most of the kids? Um, so I mean, when we first went, I think my son was five, and now he's uh, now okay. he's eight. We've got everything from 
uh, babies that have shown up, obviously not involved in much, but up right. to, you know, 22 years old. Um, so, uh, it, there are quite a few kids actually in, in your, your age group. There are a few, quite a few that are older as well. I mean, my, my oldest is eight. Um, uh, he'll be nine by the time we go to Vermont, but, uh, um, and then I've got my other one will be five by the time we go to Vermont, but, um, and then there were other, I have another 10 year old, nine year old. So, I mean, there's, there's quite a few going on in there and i think this one coming up is going to be even bigger there's going to be quite a few different folks who are really trying to, to boost it up a bit so um if you're able to i would say do that and that might open up some of those doors to have those conversations and you know build family plans and uh goal boards um, we we so i bought uh Kiyosaki's game cash flow this mm-hmm. week we've, we've been playing that and uh, my 10 year old draws the cards a tenant wrecked your apartment he's like what? Who is Tenant? What's he doing? And then he and then he drew it again later in the game. He's like, "Why? Why is Tenant back in my other house wrecking my house?" <laughs> That's awesome. I want to buy that game so bad. Has it been been pretty fun playing with him? It's fun. It's so you will have to do most of the math probably, mm-hmm. and the game will will run a little bit slow because you have to do most of the math. But I, I skipped the kids version. I just bought the the one on one version. I was just going to seem to be picking it up. Okay. Yeah. The uh, what made you want to skip the kids version? Because uh, I wanted to be able to play oh. it. Oh, there you go. Yeah, good enough reason. <laughs> Self- yeah, selfishness. There you go. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> I think that the you know because uh, I don't know those concepts you can't get in a lot of other places and teaching the kids how to do that. You know, like um, mm-hmm. play Monopoly, and my son loves Monopoly. The eight year old, he actually beat me the like the second time yeah. he played Monopoly. Um, but uh, but like getting their brains to think in those ways and do these things and open up the conversations and yeah. you know we've yeah. we've started creating different goal boards and all sorts of different stuff for the kids to be able to be involved involved in those types of thought processes um, that we kind of get from, from uh, you know, our environment. So um, I, uh, I totally want to do the cash flow game though. So okay. if you come to Vermont, bring it and we could try to get our kids to do it. And then we'll come in there and like, like wrecking balls, like completely destroy sure, them. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you guys uh, are all losers. Uh-huh, exactly. <laughs> um, so Mike McCarthy though, he also, um, I did like the Miracle Morning for Families. I just recently mm-hmm. bought that, so I want to try to figure that out and and see mm-hmm. what that looks like. But um, you know, he he's put a lot of those. Uh, uh, so he was running some fan and stuff beforehand. Um, uh, so it was you know having the the family goals and all of that type of stuff bu- getting built out and um, putting different pictures for goal boards. And you know, to me, it's yeah. it it was so much fun to just kind of work with other families doing that. So. Um, I do recommend that that you do that just because you know. It, Good. It might be good for my kids to see other families doing that. Yes. Yeah. To me, that was probably the most important part of doing the fan abundance thing is having them see that other families do the same stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just this crazy dad that is mm-hmm. asking them to do mm-hmm. some weird things. Right. Uh, because right now, I mean, none of their school school friends, you know, they don't go on epic adventures and do, you know, travel the way we do. And, you know, I, they just don't do that type of stuff. So I want him to be around people that do. I want the boys and, the, and now all three of them that's that's been the hardest part by the way of having a third kid that's now a girl is i can't just keep saying the boys because yeah. <laughs> i have a girl now so the kids having the kids be exposed to that type of stuff is like i mean it's it's really important to me so um what would you say are like the the top pillars as a family if you were to you know maybe maybe they're not written down or anything like that but would you say are like the top maybe three pillars that you you are driving towards as a family like that. Um, so I think 
uh, I think freedom, number one, to be able to do, you know, the, the expression like what you want, when you want, with who you want, mm-hmm. right? So that one, number one. Um, I want my kids to, I want to, to do a better job of exposing my kids to other parts of the world than what other people have, right? They spend, we spend so much time staring at the Kindle, right? Mm -hmm. Or, or watching YouTube or, or whatever else, like, and it's, it's not reality and it's, you know, it's this feedback loop of like the things that you've already liked. It's going to just show mm-hmm. you more and more of it. And so I, I, I'm working on spending more deliberate time taking my kids out into the, the real world and showing them more and more of that. And then, um, and then as they get older, you know, I, I think exposure to other kind of athletic endeavors, like get off the couch, mm-hmm. let's go. Let's go hike in the woods. Let's go swim in the lake. Let's do, let's do stuff that's not kind of cookie cutter, the sports that, that everybody else is playing. Let's go, let's go pick up some skills and, and just get out in nature a little bit. Mm-hmm. So what, uh, what are you doing now to kind of prep for that? I'm going to start to pry a little bit and dig and yeah. stump you. <laughs> yeah. You're going to stump me because we haven't done good. You haven't taken, good. haven't taken very much action yeah. on that, but we have, we have things like the, you know, the summer, um, the summer to do list. Right. Mm-hmm. So go on a hike, go to some waterfalls, um, go to the pool, you know, do races, things like that. Um, yeah, but that's, that's about all we've actually taken action on. Okay. So, um, in our communication, it sounds like sports are definitely still a, a pillar and you're adding uh, other athletic adventures to that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so the, the freedom side of the house, do you guys travel a lot or is it more like the, well, I'll just stop there. Do you guys travel a lot? Locally. Yeah. yeah. So, so we have a, a beach house up in ocean city, Maryland. We're going down uh, with my family to, uh, to Virginia beach in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So we travel places that we can drive to yeah. <laughs> the most part. Um, we're taking the kids on a plane, uh, spring break next year to go, go on a cruise in the Western Caribbean. Nice. Um, but we haven't, we haven't generated the kind of geographic freedom yet. And, and, you know, neither my wife nor I really have done that in our lives, even mm-hmm. before kids. So there's a little bit of our, our own comfort level is stretched by that. And then, and then compounded by, well, we got to keep the three kids safe yeah. when they're on the road with us. Yeah. So. No, all, all of that is, is kind of on the horizon. We've, we, you know, financially really kind of hit an inflection point within the last 12 to 18 months where that's opened up a lot more possibility mm-hmm. for us. So I think all those things are, are coming as the kids are a little bit more self-sufficient, don't need, you know, the five-year-old no longer needs a nap in the middle of the day. And so we can start to go and do all the things that we've been talking about for a while. And, you know, whether, whether that restriction and the, the we can't has just been in the back of our mind or, or in reality, I don't know, but we haven't done that stuff in the mm-hmm. past. So, uh, uh, to be a jerk, I'll say it's in the back of your mind. It's not a reality. Cause yeah. like, yeah. you know, and I, I say that because we, I mean, our second child was born in Japan. Right. And then hmm. when we came to America, he was seven months old and the U S was his sixth country. So we had brought him to uh-huh. Indonesia. We brought him to Singapore. We yeah. brought him to Spain. We yeah. brought him like he was bouncing all over the place. And it was, uh, um, you know, our, our, our oldest at 
two and a half years old, I had him in a backpack climbing up Mount Fuji. So he was in like a little rucksack and we climbed Mount Fuji together. And that was, I mean, the people that gave him high fives at the top, like he thought he was the king of the world because he's the yeah. only child that's at the top, right? Yeah. And he's running around, everybody's high fiving him. He's two and a half. He's like, this is awesome. He actually, um, uh, to, to get disturbing for a minute, he actually had to poop while he was up there and he like just some random spot at the top of the mountain had to go to the bathroom because there's nothing for him. So it's like, well, sorry, buddy. You know, so, uh, but, uh, but the adventures to me are, are extremely important. So, uh, giving them that example of, you know, why, why you're working hard is so that you can go and have these freedoms to be able to do these things. Um, you know, uh, but Frank Smolin, I'm, I think you probably know him. He's up in the, you know, the area, but he's got, uh, he's got a place over there in, in ocean city too. So, um, he's, he's, I think 70 blocks North of us. Yeah. Oh, there you go. So you guys can yeah. link up with the kids out there and go have fun and, uh, do some, do some in, enjoyable things out there in ocean city. Have you yeah. been out to the, there's that, um, the wild horses and all that out on that. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. That was, that was pretty cool. We, so when we were in, we lived just South of DC, but I, I would rent a small plane and fly over to ocean city just cause it's a really beautiful little airport to fly into right over the water and everything. We went and checked those out. My kids loved watching the wild horses running around and checking things out. So that was a fun little spot. But, um, but yeah, so the, uh, um, the, uh, exposure to the real world, what, it, Give me an example of what that looks like or what you want it to look like if it hasn't really been. Um, yeah, so, so getting out and, and finding volunteer opportunities, mm-hmm. right? Soup, soup kitchens. Um, uh, oh, my, it's pouring outside now. Um, uh, Salvation Army, that that kind of stuff. So, you know, my so my kids were in the Cub Scouts briefly and we mm-hmm. did a little bit of volunteer stuff. We didn't really mesh with the rest of that group. And so they, they quit. Um, but we haven't found other opportunities to, to get out into the real world and see people who aren't, you know, as, as, um, as fortunate as we yeah. are and as they are to have, have the means that we do. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, uh, that's a tough one. You know, we've talked about that in go abundance. A bunch of us have talked about that. Like how do we expose our kids to the challenges that maybe some of us had growing up? Um, or some of us have seen in our life, uh, without, you know, having to have them have the same hurt and pain as maybe we, we had growing up. So, um, I think that that's a extremely valuable thing to, to do with the kiddos is, is let them see that and experience that. And like we, my sons are, are, uh, always wanting to give and do sorts of things. So every time they see a homeless person on the road, they're asking for something like you can almost see their heartbreak and they're just like, I want to give them whatever that's like, you know, and it's, uh, um, I don't know. Like, I don't know where they got that heart. Cause I don't really have that. Um, I don't know uh, emotions. I don't really have, you know, like I, I refuse to give them money or anything like that. And it's not because, yeah. you know, I, I'm, uh, I'm a jerk or a, or a crass person, but it's like, I don't know where that is going. But the fact that they want to always be giving is, is, a uh, is a wonderful thing. So, um, I would venture to guess it would be the same with your kids if getting exposed to that. Yeah. Sorry. See, my son is back again, buddy. <laughs> I don't need a sandwich. <laughs> He's trying to deliver me a sandwich now. Man, oh man. You. What do you need, buddy? No. No. And you he really wants to be on these podcasts as much as humanly possible. <laughs> this is turning into a thing now. Mm. The cameos. Go eat them at a table. Anyways. <laughs> 
kids, my kids want to be YouTube stars when they grow I'm up. Trying I'm trying to like, tell them to be a YouTube you, star. You need to you, know? you need to get a camera and some basic video editing skills first. You don't mm -hmm. think like you don't think Mr. Beast started where he is, do you? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, but he he doesn't want to be he he only wants to be on my YouTube channel apparently not oh, his, own his own YouTube channel yeah because I told him that he should uh, he should do YouTube like for golf stuff because like, I think yeah. that would be fun to kind of show what what he's doing with golf and um, how the competitions are going and you know like show other show other kids that this is a possible thing to do um, but uh, but no he doesn't want to no I don't know and that's funny because your kid wants to be a wants to be a YouTube star so well he yeah. says he wants to be yeah but. Well, see, here he is being a YouTube star. There you go, bud. Yeah, what a punk. What a punk. So <laughs> he uh, he mentioned, hey, where are you going? There you go. All right. Well, so do you have any do you have any questions for Mr. Brian? No? You want to ask him any questions? He's a lawyer. He's got a kid that's now the same hard, age as now you. Now the hard questions are coming. Yeah. His son plays soccer and baseball. No questions? No, you just want to hang out over my shoulder. All right, no. <laughs> listen, to, yeah, hang out and listen to one side of the conversation. Exactly, yeah, because you're not taking my earbud again like you did last time. You little punk, <laughs> punk. But uh, so the uh, the ten year old, um, obviously. So to me, the I, I'm not a dad to a ten year old yet. So the change from an eight year old to a ten year old, like. What kind of transitions have you been seeing, and how has it been working through that? Um, uh, yeah, they they. So mine calmed down a lot. Mine was, um, you know, emotionally challenged. Is but he had big emotions mm -hmm. when he was eight, and they've calmed down, and they've and they've delayed. And the other thing that we've noticed is. He's starting to get like a little bit of shame around things. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't want to walk, doesn't want to hold hands with mom on the way to school. There are certain things that are cool and not cool. And if, if the, uh, if the cool shirt isn't ready out of the laundry and he has to, has to wear the uncool shirt, like it's a, can be a problem. So there, ha there is like a transition where they start being a lot more self-aware. Um, about things that are popular and things mm -hmm. that are not. So that's been a challenge to navigate because he can't articulate what it is that he doesn't like about clothes. So he had a little bit of like a sensory thing about certain pants or whatever. Like, yeah. um, but he, he's not able to tell you what he doesn't like about it. And now it's hard to tell whether it's the sensory thing about any piece of clothing or whether it's not the red Nike hooded sweatshirt that he loves. Right. Um, and the, and that kind of manifests in like the only thing he wears to school now is soccer jerseys. That's it. Well, won't wear anything else. So we had this big, we had kind of a little bit of a fight around his, uh, orchestra concert. He had to wear a white button down <laughs> shirt, dress shirt. We didn't even own one. Yeah. And, you know, and explaining to him, you like you're not going to be the only one in school. In fact, like probably a third of the school is in the orchestra anyway, so they're all going to be wearing the same shirt. Like you're not going to be not cool. You have to wear it to school. Yeah. So that's that's interesting. It's just kind of navigating those social school politics 
um, yeah. things. He hasn't had any real big blowups with, with friends. Mm-hmm. So we haven't had to deal with that yet. And girls aren't really in the picture at age 10. Um, uh, he's, he's a little bit more analytical. He's asking better questions nice. now about why we do things and about why things, certain things exist. So it's, it's been a fun experience to watch his learning process. I, I'm looking for like every stage, you know, I, I, I try to tell him all the time. Like I've never been a dad to an eight year old and, and a four year old. And now I have a like daughter thrown in there. Like, so now I have to learn how to be a dad for you. Just like you're having to learn and be navigate how to be an eight year old. Huh. I have to learn and navigate how to be uh, the dad to an eight year old. Um, uh, but watching all of those different stages has always been so much fun. I look forward to kind of seeing how it goes. But um, so it sounds like they, um, the kids are in public schools. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Have you have you found that to be as uh, as hectic as some of the news makes it sound like, or is it kind of you know um, they're in Virginia public schools? Is that right? Fairfax County. Okay. So Virginia public schools. We um, you know one county to the west of us is is Loudon, which has been mm-hmm. like some some kind of battleground for. Yes. I haven't paid a. I don't pay a lot of attention to any national news, but for, I don't know, some kind of a book in the school or there was something where, um, where a teacher had gotten fired for saying something. And I, I don't know any of these stories, Mm -hmm. but, um, but Fairfax has not really been a battleground for that. And, and no, that hasn't been an issue for us where we're like, we need to either put them in a private school or, or, you know, bring them home and, and homeschool. Really. I, I wish that my wife or I had the temperament to, to be able to homeschool the kids. I don't think that we could do, you know, six, seven, eight hours a day with them managing mm. their personalities, managing our own personalities and teaching them anything. I would love to, to be able to do that and have the, you know, the, the geographic freedom to go and kind of work from anywhere and, yeah. and raise them from anywhere. But I also think that might be the end of our marriage. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder that myself as I'm looking at doing this adventure of what that's going to look like. But, yeah. um, but yeah, I, uh, I grew up doing public school and I just thought that that was the best way to do it because I was exposed to so many different things. And my wife grew up private school. And, um, so I was like, Oh no, public school is way better. And now that I had kids and, you know, I was like, ah, and, and my previous job in my defense, like I, I saw the worst of society that you could have, you know, um, so it was like, I've got zero desire to have my kids go be exposed to society. <laughs> like it, it, it like scared the heck out of me. So I was like, nah, private uh-huh. school it is, you know? Um, but, uh, um, but yeah, I'm glad to hear that you're not seeing a lot of the, the craziness that's going on. That's a plus. Yeah. And maybe it's, maybe I'm just not paying enough attention. Um, mm-hmm. but it, it has, you know, there's nothing that's going on in Fairfax and especially in our elementary school that's bothering me. No. Good. Good to hear. Absolutely. Great to hear that. Um, so do you have any, uh, any thoughts, questions for me, things you want to talk about, anything that's uh, coming up in your brain? How are, how are you all planning on navigating curriculum for homeschooling? Ooh, yeah. So I actually had a meeting this morning with somebody to, to kind of go over various different curriculums and cause I don't, I don't know what I don't know. Right. And I've been watching YouTube videos to try to learn about how mm-hmm. it all goes. And, um, there's a bunch of different curriculums that are out there. So I don't, you know, what's good, what's bad. I don't know. Um, uh, but you know, you can, you can order like three different types of curriculum, whatever you want. And they, there's uh, to, to kind of piece together how it works. So, um, my goal is if, if I end up doing this, which I'm pretty certain I'm going to, 
is um, we'll have like uh, uh, one type of math, one type of science, and then there's like a, a for lack of better terms, everything else type of type of programs that that cover all of the um, I, I guess it's called English language arts now. Like I don't know, like it, but uh, uh, so the ELA stuff and the um, uh, some history and all that type of stuff. So my goal is to have adventures that go along with it, travels that go along with it. We're not always going to be able to travel, but if I can say, okay, well this this year or, or this week we're learning about um, you know. Uh, uh, sea animals in science then adding a trip to the aquarium that week as well to be able to say okay well here now we get to go see some some sea animals as part of our science class um but the curriculums that i'm looking at are very well structured already uh, to kind of help me have something already laid out to be able to not have to be overly stressed and from what i'm gathering it's it's uh, and it's very much dependent on the on the kid but um two hours a day you can pretty much knock out everything that's needed and we have an au pair to be able to take care of the kids the rest of the day so it's like i knock out two hours in the morning with them and then they get to go off and be be kids like i've got you know season passes to different theme parks down here and um you know then i'll I'll probably add like aquarium passes and various different things and um yeah, there's quite a few different co-ops in the area that that have sports teams and very like all sorts of things to involve be involved with other kids because that's going to be very important to 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 me to have the kids with other kids. What is in, in Florida? Maybe maybe not so much, but like to what extent is there government oversight over like what you're teaching or any standardized standardized testing or making sure you know that that you're not just quote homeschooling and the kids mm-hmm. aren't learning anything? Is that, does that exist? So it does and every state has their own oversight on on what it looks like but um uh but you have to report uh every quarter what you're doing i think it's every quarter mm. um and then uh if you want them to do standardized testing you can uh but i think it's only required every couple of years um to do you don't have to do it every year it's uh you could do it every couple of years but then um so like the lady i talked to this morning she's a certified teacher and she does does the iowa standardized tests whatever they're called um that that are pretty you know, pretty common around. So if you get, you can get that set up and do that every year to kind of see what, what kind of placement they're in and where, you know, where their, what their status is. But, um, you know, there's just some reporting requirements to the state of Florida to say what you're doing. And that's about it. And they, they even have a, a tax credit here in Florida that you can use if you qualify for it to pay for your curricula to have it, you know, sent to you and pay for, you know, those tutoring classes. Um, uh, if it's a structured tutoring class to be able to send them to, like, if I don't, if I suck at physics and I need to teach him right. physics, I can use that money to pay for a physics tutor to go in and knock that out. So that's a bonus too. And do you think you think you'll continue this all through high school, or at some point do they I will they go back and matriculate no back to public school? I have no yeah. idea. Like it's one of those. Uh, I want to take it year by year and see kind of where it's at. Um, if they're really enjoying the homeschool stuff, you know, I, I talked to one of the other uh, GoBundance guys yesterday that's been doing it for five years. And um, he was like, every year I ask my kids, do you want to go back or do you like doing what we're doing? And every time they're like, absolutely not. I love doing what we're doing. But they travel 100, year, 100, 100 years, 100 uh, days out of the year. Um, you yeah. know, so they're constantly seeing new places and learning about things from from a different perspective. And uh, the travel is, uh, I'm I'm hoping, going to expose them to more knowledge than just sitting in a classroom. So that's the hope, anyways. So, so the other thing that comes to mind is like you seem very intentional about all of this. So I'm just curious what your what your journaling, especially like with the kids, like what what that reflection and, and journaling or whatever 
process you have looks like no that i don't do uh you don't do that i do zero journaling and i've tried it i just i i don't know um i think a lot like my brain is always going 100 miles an hour and i process things rather quickly in that in that way um so i'll build out a whole plan in my head on how it goes uh it just doesn't always come out of my mouth as well um, so perhaps I should journal and get those get that down on paper a little bit a little bit better, um, especially if I'm going to try to communicate these things to my wife, because um, I'll start to say something. Yeah. And she's like, she's instantly <laughs> like, well, wait a minute. What about X, Y or Z? I'm like, no, no, no. I haven't got to there yet. That's all part of the plan. That's that's like, familiar. <laughs> so the communication side is where I, I, I'm struggling yeah. on that. But um, but no, I don't I don't journal it at all. It's just been uh i i talk to a lot of different people i listen to a lot of different things trying to really understand where it's going like i mean uh, intentionally trying to meet with people that have you know been there done that so i can figure out whether or not this makes sense for me and you know i'm also a christian so doing a lot of praying about it to try to figure out like is this is this what god is trying to tell me to do um uh am i i've been pondering like is it this is this just a selfish thing? Cause I like to travel and I want to drag my kids with me, you know, like, is it, um, you know, what, what is it about this that really, uh, is hitting home for me? And, and I don't write it down. I don't journal it necessarily, but the, the things that keep coming back to me are a much more involved with my kids, uh, their education and understanding, you know, applying my, my values and my systems and what I want out of, out of life for my kids. Um, uh, but also open them up to say, okay, well, what is it that you like? And let's go learn what you like and help them to be able to chase chase their dreams and chase their thoughts that sitting in a classroom doesn't allow them to do. Um, you know, and I'm like to go to your freedom point, right? I work from home. Uh, you know, there are times, sure, while we're out at, you know, Bush Gardens or Islands of Adventure or wherever, I get on my phone and I have to do some work, right? Or I got to make a phone call. Um, but I've got the freedom to do this on a Wednesday, you know, and just go out and do things. So if I could teach them that the, your freedom to chase what you want can, can get you somewhere in life, you know, that's kind of what I'm hoping to do. Um, I should be a little bit more intentional about writing all that down though. So that way I, I stick to it. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I'm like you, I process things quickly and I make decisions quickly and then I forget what I decided. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's mm-hmm. my problem. Like, I had this great idea and fully fleshed out plan. And then two days later, I can't remember what it is, but I think this would be great for you and for your family to try for a season and see, yeah. okay, does this work? Does this not work? You know, maybe they go back, maybe they go back to school or maybe it takes off for you. I think, I think it's really exciting. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it for sure. Just, to, yeah. you know, I mean, I love the school that my oldest is in now, so I've got no complaints if he, if we end up sticking with that. Um, so one way or another, I'm, I'm happy. Um, you know, I just picture things like, you know, I've, I've got a conference that we're putting on in October and I want to be able to drag him out there to San Antonio with me, you know, um, and then I want to drag him to Ver- uh, Vermont and I want to drag him over to uh, um, the east coast of Florida for another thing that we got. It's like I just I always want to be around the kids and I always want to expose them to what I'm doing. So um, what better way to do that than to be teaching them myself? We'll see if it works. Or maybe I'll just mess them up really badly. I don't know. That's, a- <laughs> That's right. What's the worst that can happen? Yeah, what's the worst that they could happen? They end up in jail and uh, you know, I'm I'm a degenerate father, you know. But but hey, you know, I don't, we'll see. But time will tell. Yeah. All right. Well, Brian, it was an absolute pleasure chatting with you. I uh, I thank you so much for your time. Um I, I loved hearing about the uh the lawyer stuff, even though, you know, me and lawyers, eh, you know, it's you know, 
Yeah. Most people are lawyers. It's fine. <laughs> until you it's need them. You don't like lawyers until yeah. you need them. But, uh, but that's no. right. Um, I, uh, I wish you the best with the, uh, the growth of the company. It sounds like it's going really well. Um, uh, and I hope to definitely see you in Vermont. Um, so, uh, all that said, if somebody wants to reach out with you, reach out to you, get a hold of you, is there, uh, is there any way you should, uh, send them to be able to do that? Yes. I'm on Facebook, Brian Glass. Um, I post the most stuff, ironically, on LinkedIn, which I don't think probably any of our GoBundance friends <laughs> use very uh-huh. much. I'm on there. Um, but, but I'm trying to, I'm building an audience of, of lawyers who mm-hmm. are interested in you know, building better practices. So LinkedIn is the most natural place to find me. Yep. Um, that's where you're going to get the most of me. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you again, Brian. Appreciate it. Um, and uh, I wish you and the family the best. And we'll talk to you soon, brother. Thanks, Adam. You too. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the BizDad Podcast. We hope you found some value in your time here with us, and we look forward to bringing you the next episode. If you've enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and share so you and your friends won't miss our upcoming episodes. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Rumble, where we continue these discussions and share more valuable content. Be the dad you know you need to be and run your business in a way you're proud to share with your kids. Keep crushing it.